Welcome to the St. Emlyn's Podcast. I'm Ian Beardsall. This is the first in a series of podcasts we're going to bring you direct from the Wessex Premier Conference, a paediatric emergency medicine conference held here in Winchester. There's a wide range of talks that we're going to be bringing you, and we're so grateful to the organisers for allowing us to record all of these and bring them to you at St. Emlyn's. There are accompanying blog posts that you'll be able to read with all of the things that you need to know to, to be able to feel like you are actually there in the room. And please do check out both the SORT guidelines website and the Peer Network website, both of which there are links on in the show notes. Our first talk is from David James, and this is about weaning salbutamol in the wheezy child. Now, this may not seem like the most exciting of topics, but the reason I've chosen to publish this one first is it does what we all really enjoy at St. Emlyn's. It challenges dogma. It looks at why do we do things? Should we really be doing them? And is there a better way? But I'll let David explain more. Good morning, everybody. A very warm welcome, even, to my home city of, of Winchester. I'm David James. I'm one of the PEM consultants in Southampton. If you ask yourself kind of what kind of PEM consultant you want to be and what you might want to be giving a talk on five or six years into your consultant career, I probably would have chosen clamshell thoracotomies, major incidents, working out how to stick a head back on if someone's been decapitated, that kind of thing. But due to some questionable life choices and decisions, I find myself here talking to you about sabutamol weaning plans. Um, bear with me. We're going to talk a bit about what weaning plans are and what they're not. We're going to talk about why we would change what, we're, what we've been doing for quite a while. Our experience here in Southampton and in Wessex, and then what the next steps might be from there. So, weaning plans. The principle of a weaning plan is that when you've been to hospital with an acute attack of wheeze, perhaps you're asthmatic, perhaps you're younger and you've got viral-induced wheeze, once you're ready to go home, a health professional gives that, gives that family some information that suggests an advised weaning amount of sabutamol. So start with a certain amount, give a fixed amount less the next day, a fixed amount less the day after. But essentially... The principle is, and you've got there what our old one was, the clue being old, in that we're no longer doing it. And so this is a rigorous scientific conference, and I would be remiss of me to not present to you the evidence base behind Sabutamol weaning plans. So, so here, here we go. There is no evidence behind the Sabutamol weaning plan, okay? None. Zilch. Minus evidence, Okay. The weird thing is, the longer you work as a consultant, you probably find some of the things you think were evidence-based really weren't anyway, and particularly with, with acute wheeze, yeah, a lot of it isn't, okay? Well, perhaps there is an equation that all the great and good have used in order to make sure that, that we're giving the right amount and we're weaning appropriately. Well, there is, there is. Here, here it is. It's got some very clever-looking symbols within it. How would you define these symbols, I hear you ask? Well, like this. Um, and so... Essentially, the whole thing was made up. Sorry to burst your bubble, folks, but we've been doing something that just seemed to make common sense. Does that matter? If what we were doing had no evidence base and was made up by people who did it a few years before we started doing it, if it wasn't causing any harm, why change? Yeah, and that was certainly a lot of the what we heard when we suggested changing it. Well... I've been giving sabutamol weaning plans for quite a long time to children. They don't come back dead. But actually, what if it's part of a bigger problem? This comes from a really useful publication that I would suggest all of you 
have a little glance through. But this publication really looked at comparing UK outcomes with outcomes in comparable countries for a whole heap of things. But one of those things was asthma. I'll give you a clue. The bigger that bar is, the worse you are at asthma. We're not very good at asthma. And so more children and young people die of asthma or have adverse outcomes in the UK than they should do. Now, I'm not going to tell you that that is because we've been using fixed-dose sabutamol weaning regimes, okay? Please don't go away from this thinking, oh, my God, I'm a killer doctor or nurse or practitioner or paramedic or whatever you might be. But it's part of the issue. And there is an association between overuse of short-acting beta agonists, like sabutamol, with poorer outcomes. And that's not just me saying it. Gina says it too. Who is Gina, you may ask? Well, Gina is currently making the coffee. and No, she's not really. Uh, Gina is the global initiative for uh, asthma. I don't know where the N is, but it's the global initiative for asthma. And that has a really, really big drive on trying to reduce short-acting beta agonist use. And part of that is probably then up for us to try and not suggest to parents that they use more than they necessarily need in the acute recovery period from a wheezy illness. So what should we do? Well, maybe we should actually tailor the reliever therapy that only works if you've currently got bronchospasm to the symptoms in, in front of, of the patient. Sounds logical, right? And so that gets you to this. This is the Healthier Together and Peer Wheeze Advice Sheet. So this is now... Uh, in use across Wessex. Um, it has nowhere on it does it tell you how many puffs to give in a fixed amount. What it suggests is that upon discharge, a family looks at their child every four hours, assesses them using the signs that are written there and that you go through in your safety netting, and assesses whether, you th whether they think they need any bronchodilators at that time. They give them two at a time uh, via a spacer um, if they are of the age that they, that they need that. Um, until either they are better or you hit 10. If you hit 10 and they're not better, you seek help. And when we did that, and I owe this to, to, to Steph, one of our respiratory nurses, we were lucky enough that she was able to follow up these families to actually ask them, well, how many puffs did you use? And this is the first time I think it's been actually written down how many times families would use sabutamol if you give them free reign. So the blue bars on there are how much they would have given had they followed exactly what we had said to the letter for three days. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that every family did that. In fact, I think probably we do our families a great disservice, and they were probably doing, we have probably streets ahead of us, and we're probably already doing this. But actually, what we've seen is that by giving them that choice, you know, that empowered choice backed up by the science to look for, is up to a 73% reduction in subusable use. So really, really big. So what's the other block in there? Well, the other block, unfortunately, with doing it, with implementing it, was actually our attitude towards our patients. Okay? I know that initially when this was proposed, my first thought was, oh, they're not going to get it. They need 10.52 or 12.69 or 17.29. Whatever the numbers were, people needed the numbers. I can't get this across to them. And I think actually what it was was me really not recognizing family's abilities to understand what I was saying, and also probably a fear that I couldn't explain it well enough to them. And actually, we know that that's not the case. They did get it, because not only did they use less, but they didn't come back. So probably the best sort of balancing measure we could, we could come up with to look for whether this might cause any harm was, 
were, were children coming back to ED more often? And those two lines there are 2021 versus 2022. No difference, okay? So less abuse, more use, no deterioration in reattendance. And they liked it. Now, this is just four free text comments from when Seth followed them up. But families actually liked having the choice. They liked the opportunity for kind of health promotion that went with it, the opportunity to talk about what the signs were to look for. And it all just seemed to go together. And so where does this fit into the kind of wider piece around this? You know, I think there is a really, really big push to reduce our reliance on short-acting beta agonists. We've all grown up in a world in which the blue inhaler is step one. It's the, it's the center point of everything. And more and more and more, those who particularly work in the fields of asthma, I, I don't pretend to be that for a second, are very convinced that actually we need to go away from that. And actually what you want to be doing is either having people on low-dose inhaler steroids, which you increase, or having them on MART therapy. Obviously, a therapy combining a steroid and, um, and a long-acting beta agonist. So it's giving a reliever and a preventer simultaneously in order that, that you, um, you have it all the time, and then when you get sick, you take more of it. So MART therapy is coming, and so we may find ourselves actually talking much more about short-acting beta agonist use in the viral wheezers rather than those who are asthmatic. The other question comes with, well, what advice do we actually give them when their child gets sick the next time? And at the moment, our guidance is not perfect. So I think that we've nailed the discharge advice, but the advice for what to do next time on Healthier Together still has a kind of, if they look like this, give them this number of puffs. If they look like that, give them that number of puffs. And I think, although this is still going through a kind of process of design, that we'll essentially have the same advice. So whenever your child looks breathless, looks like they're working hard, give them sabutamol two puffs at a time until they're better or you hit 10. And so that's where I think that we're going. And so just to summarize, we've successfully introduced a PRN sabutamol weaning suggestion, weaning plan um, upon discharge with no deterioration in, um, in reattendances and with parent with parents and families thinking it seems to be a good idea. And that's me done. Thank you very much.